And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Gray Shipley, partner at Birmingham Technology Group and Shipley Farms Beef Company. One of the things Lou Holtz says is, as a leader, father, politician, coach, business leader, whatever the case may be, as a leader, there's three things that people want to know about you before they're willing to follow you. And it's, can I trust you? Are you committed to excellence? And do you care about me as a person? If you can say yes to those three things, people will go through the wall for you. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We'd like to welcome you back for another edition of the program where we lift the hood and we're going to tinker around in the engine of Christian leadership. So here at Bottom Line Faith, we interview CEOs, business owners, celebrities, entertainers, uh, folks from all walks of life. But what all of our guests have in common is they're Christ followers who are seeking to live out their faith in and through the marketplace and to uh, build their companies, their organizations, and their platforms on biblical principles. And so we like to ask about the the way their faith um, intercepts with the way they conduct leadership. We like to learn failures. We like to learn successes and how their faith has played a role in all of those things. And so we are really excited that you have decided to join us. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. We'd like to encourage you to check out our website at bottomlinefaith.org, and you can uh, listen to all previous um, interviews there. If you're a longtime listener, of course, thanks for joining us for the weekly program here at Bottom Line Faith. If you're a Christ follower and in business and you're looking for a way to connect with other business owners, presidents, and CEOs, check out our website at truthatwork.org. Truthatwork.org. We are the host ministry here for Bottom Line Faith. Click on that tab that says Roundtables. And you can connect with one of our groups in dozens of cities across the country. So we are excited that you have decided to join us again. And our guest today, we are uh, once again in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. If you've listened to some previous interviews when I've been in Birmingham, I've called this kind of my home away from home. And my guest today is Gray Shipley. And uh, we're going to learn all about Gray, but two things from a title standpoint and, and what he does career-wise. He is a uh, partner in the Birmingham Technology Group. We're going to learn about that and their their desire to build that as a Christ-honoring company. And he is also a fifth-generation uh, partner and engaged with the Shipley Farms Beef Company out of North Carolina. So we're going to learn about both of those as we go through the program. Gray, welcome. Thank you, Ray. Good to be here. You doing all right today? Doing great. It's, Beautiful day. It's great. So... Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, just kind of your background and your pathway, and we're going to dive into the companies and what God has you doing, but just give us a little bit of your upbringing, your family life, uh, what it was like being young Grace Shipley, and how you came to Christ, all that good stuff. Sure, sure. So uh, grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, ended up coming to school in Alabama, went to school in Tuscaloosa, and moved around for a bit, um, worked over in Georgia for a while, went to grad school up north in New Hampshire, and then came back here after grad school, uh, ended up back working in uh, Birmingham here, so that's how I got here, but, you know, my, uh, my, I'm somebody that likes solving problems, and so uh, that's what took me initially to engineering school, it's kind of a mindset to solving problems, and I found when I got into there that, um, found it too wrapped up in the technical, uh, and to me, solving business problems, people problems, is more impactful than solving the technical problems. And so at that point, that's when I decided to head back to school for uh, for business and kind of set off in a career 
of fixing and building businesses. Uh, so that's what my focus has been, career ranging from cotton ginning to 3D medical imaging technology, you know, everything from small entrepreneurial ventures to uh, working with investors on turnaround projects and working with some larger uh, corporate companies. So that's, that's kind of my story. Um, and uh, my, I guess, path for faith is you know, grew up in a, in a great Christian home and a, and a solid family. Um, and uh, I mentioned to you before, I'm a bit of a processor. I think slowly. It takes me a while to kind of <laughs> to, to grasp and process things. So, you know, I grew up in church and at home and at summer camp, always hearing the gospel and, and hearing um, sin and our need for Christ explained to me. Uh, and what I heard was kind of there's this, yes, we have this issue, and yes, I'm sinful, and I need God, and so there's this prayer that fixes everything. So pray the prayer, and then everything will be fixed. And and I never understood what that transaction was. What's the magic of this prayer? I remember as a kid over and over, you know, sometimes every few days, I, well, I, maybe it didn't take last time. Maybe I ought to pray this prayer again. And so I would, and you know, I really mean it this time. Uh, yeah, I really mean it. If I didn't take last time. I just want to reiterate that I am a sinner, and I recognize. And uh, and so it just it, I processed things slowly. It took me a long time, and I can't point to a particular conversion experience or time in my life, but just uh, over a period of of realizing that this magical prayer thing doesn't make sense, it finally occurred to me. I think somewhere along the way that all right, it's not a magical prayer. It's a it's a surrender and a relationship uh, and a recognition of, of what our sin is and what that means and, and, um, and our need for Christ and the love of God that is reflected in that. Um, and so that's kind of my story of faith. Um, I tell people that uh, I think along the way my uh, naivety protected me from my depravity. <laughs> that's good. That's very good. And so... Uh, Married? Uh, what's your no single no, guy? Not All married, right. single guy. Right. Very good, yeah. very good. And uh, but your family, you've got a fifth. You're a fifth generation. Uh, tell tell us a little At bit about that fifth. side of the yeah. story. So my my granddad's granddad purchased uh, the current farm property that we have in Vilas, North Carolina, a little town on the west side of Boone, Watauga County, uh, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Um, so the property that we have now came into the family in 1872 and, uh, my granddad, uh, was owner and proprietor for 86 years. He inherited it when he was, uh, in December, 1929. You know, this history really well. It was this a month is, and a half after impressive. the, uh, stock market crash. He's a freshman at Virginia tech, 17 years old. And gets, I imagine, a letter, not a call at that time, that his uncle had passed away and left the farm to him. So um, he had it until he passed at 103 just a few years ago. Um, but I had the, the benefit of being a business partner with my granddad for a few years and uh, just working on investing in the family business and still get to work on it with my dad, which is just a tremendous privilege. He is uh, uh, the most impressive example of um christ uh, of any person i've ever come across and the opportunity to work with him and 
learn from him and be a partner in that is just a, a tremendous blessing. Well, take just a moment because I'm I'm somewhat fascinated about this, but also we'll come back to that. Tell us about Shipley Farms Beef. What what it is, what you do there. Uh, easy easy to talk about that. Yeah. So uh, Appalachian grown, pasture raised beef. Our theme is uh, beef the way beef used to be, the way we've always done it. Uh, no shortcuts. So. Uh, our family heritage is in, and we talked a little bit about this before, uh, yeah. you know, a little beef and a little basketball, but uh, <laughs> uh, our family heritage is in the English breeds, Herefords and so forth. We, I think my great granddad brought Hereford farming to North Carolina, if you know any about um, the the beef breeds. So anyway, that's kind of where we are. So it's a pasture raised program, just no steroids or antibiotics or feedlots or any of that kind of stuff and, and just producing beef. Uh, we sell to retail, we sell to high-end butcher shops and, you know, top-end chefs and just people that really care about what's in their food, what's not in their food. And, uh, man, it's just, it's a lot of fun to be out on the farm. And I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. This sounds really <laughs> good. Too. Just for our listeners who might also be salivating right now, Gray, how can they find out about the, the family business? Well, yeah, ShipleyFarmsBeef.com uh, is our website. we got our can story on there. Can they have to them? Absolutely. We, anywhere on the East Coast, we can ship direct to your door. ShipleyFarmsBeef.com. Check out the website. I know you're going to want to order some. Well, so. that's great. Hey, I wasn't expecting to get a promo here today. <laughs> hey, so we're here to serve. Free marketing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. Fifth generation, you're, you're part of that. But God has you in a in an, in another place now and let's let's talk a little bit about this venture this this idea this concept this business as mission thing that you're engaged in and uh, what what is BTG you're a partner in this business in this venture tell us about it what you're hoping to accomplish with that what the goals are sure so this comes out of uh, really a, a really neat group network uh, of businessmen and investors that has formed here in Birmingham over the past 10 or 12 years. And um, it, it's been a blessing just to be a part of some of what these guys, Chuck Weldon, who was uh, here with you previously, uh, and Tom Phillips and others, I think, guys that you've talked to. But uh, just to be alongside what some of these guys are doing, uh, investing in businesses around the world. But the theme is, the way I like to describe it, is you don't have to go to seminary, learn Greek, Hebrew, raise a bunch of funds, and set off and plant a church somewhere to have a meaningful impact on people. And in fact, business is really a, an undertapped platform through which uh, you can impact people uh, in a really significant way. And so what we're looking to do with BTG uh, is do just that here in Birmingham. And BTG um, stands for? Birmingham Technology Group. All right, great. And so yeah. our focus is on building a successful and profitable but missions-focused manufacturing business uh, built on kind of Birmingham's rich manufacturing and steel history and in the process uh, both build a great business and also um, have a great impact on people for the gospel through what we're working on. So what would success look like? You know, we, as we look and we hear this term, we talk about this term business's mission. If I've never heard that term before, what, what would you tell me about that? What does that mean, business's mission? Sounds intriguing to me, Gray. Tell me about that. Ray, one way to look at it is if you and I were, say we wanted to have an impact on Haiti, we could go raise $100,000. We could go down there and we could give away $100,000 and come back and, and tell people the stories of the impact that we're able to have. And maybe, maybe, we, maybe we build a wall or paint a church. Right. Or, and maybe we'd be able to raise another $100,000 based on what we did. Yeah. But if we raised $100,000 and took it to Haiti and invested it, in a business 
that could provide a return, make a profit, but also have an impact on people. And we came back with $200,000, along with stories about people that we employed and how we created access to capital and changed lives through that. There's no limit to the amount of money we could take back. Um, and it's not just about money, but it's about a sustainable model. You know, so mm-hmm. much of, I love the, the book, When Helping Hurts, that talks about, a great book if you haven't read it, just talks about uh, how so much well-meaning effort that, that really the West has put out into the world uh, has been more harmful than, than helpful. And so um, it's not a sustainable model saying just the Western world is going to continue to support and send money and send resources and, and create dependencies and uh, address people's needs for them instead of helping to empower and create opportunity and allow people the dignity of of solving their own problems and addressing their own needs through having that uh, assistance and facilitation and access to capital and opportunity that we do have here in the mm-hmm. West. And so that's, in a sense, a better thing to export. So what I what I hear in that, there there's just this a, a biblical worldview as, of stewardship and leveraging of resources. Jesus gives the, the story of the talents, right? And the, he was most pleased with those servants who took those talents, invested them, and brought back a return. That's what I hear you talking about right here. Absolutely. So that there's a real biblical principle at play here. And so, um, so you th- this company is an idea about you know reaching vendors and com- uh, com- even competitors, frankly, but customers and and the marketplace and modeling Christ, but actually bringing a return so we can reinvest it and reinvest it and reinvest it into kingdom and to people. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to me, part of underlying philosophy is business is really about people. It is. It's not about profits. Yeah. Uh, you know, the reason we want profits is ultimately because of the impact that we can have on people. If I gave you a wheelbarrow of cash, and said you can have as much as you want, the only thing you can't do is spend it or give it away. It's really pretty useless, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's philosophy there about just what we're really trying to do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about just kind of your career path and lessons learned and and so so forth. So as as you kind of look back over uh, your career path, you've had an opportunity to be involved with turnaround of many companies and projects. What would you say is the biggest mistake you ever made? What did you learn from that? How did your faith play a role in that? Help us understand. In grad school, one of my favorite professors you know, gave us the rule of, you know, think about what you do in terms of what if it was written on the front page of the Wall Street Journal tomorrow. Um, and so that's a, that's a pretty good guideline. And a, one of my granddad's favorite quotes was, you're never going to live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself, so you need to learn from those of others. Uh, and so like I've been fortunate not so much to make any great mistakes of my own, but to, but to see some things go wrong. You know, the common thread that I've noticed, and whether it's business, whether it's church, whether it's personal or family, there are a lot of ways to fail. And business is tough. A lot of ways that things can go wrong. But if you want to have a spectacular go down in history, make the front page of the Wall Street Journal kind of a failure, you really can't do it without arrogance and resistance to transparency and accountability. And so uh, just bringing, and we talked about this before, humility. Just coming to it with humility and, um, and, and having that mindset is really what helps you 
prevent that uh, and avoid those colossal mistakes. And then, you know, hopefully you're able to learn from the smaller ones as you go along. Yeah, that's really good. And so one of the things that we define as success here at Bottom Line Faith is that if there's just one person listening, they're listening to this conversation right now, and uh, they just hear a word that encourages them or maybe helps them just move one step beyond where they are, helps them overcome a fear. Maybe maybe God's given them a dream, a vision, or an idea, and something's been holding them back, and just something they hear in this conversation is going to spur them on to take that step, to take that leap of faith. Then that's success for this program, right? Sure. So if someone is listening right now, and uh, maybe they have a hard time ad- you know, coming to a point of humility, and you talked about um, you, you hope that you don't make the kind of mistake that's so big and so bad that lack of humility caused you to get there, if that makes sense. So what, what word of encouragement would you have for somebody who's maybe wrestling with right now this whole issue of humility? They don't even know it. That's the hard part, right? They may not know it. <laughs> yeah. What would, what would be a, a warning sign? What would be something they should look out for to indicate they don't have it and they may be heading toward a fall? You mentioned success, how you define success. Uh, Kind of a pet peeve of mine is success is not an absolute term. Success is a relative term. You're successful at what you set out to accomplish. You're not successful in just kind of a nebulous, Mm -hmm. generic kind of a sense. And so the idea that you start with why, you identify what is your purpose? When you get up in the morning, what is it that you're setting out to accomplish? Or one of Jonathan Edwards' quotes was um he was resolved to live as i will wish that i had lived when i come to die identify with that purpose and so if you take a hard look at what is my purpose what am i really trying to accomplish then you're gonna see all right if if i'm driven by arrogance then my purpose is in furthering my own identity my own recognition my own wealth my own prosperity mm-hmm. uh and if that's what's driving you then you really need to take a harder look at that and understand you know suppose you get to the end of life and that's what you've really invested in where is the meaning in that yeah maybe in some of our common languages like now live with the end in mind right right play that right. movie to the end and, mm-hmm. and 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 then each day live according to that ideal turnout right, right. And uh, so, some of you may, may or may not be familiar with this, um, where this story came from, but the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to share this story. You know, Alfred Nobel, a lot of people may or may not know this, he invented TNT, dynamite, right? Hmm. And so uh, what happened was he had a twin brother who died. But uh, Alfred Nobel's hometown newspaper actually uh, accidentally published Alfred's obituary. Not his brothers. Wow. So he opens up his newspaper and he reads that his own obituary, and right there it said he died a very wealthy man, but many people died due to the result of his product, and many buildings were destructed, and the world was not a good place as a result of Alfred Nobel having been here. Is essentially what he read. Wow. And what most people don't know is where the Nobel Peace Prize came from. What happened was he read that obituary, how he was going to be remembered, and he was so distraught that he, from that day forward, the rest of his life, took all of his wealth and all of his time and all of his resources and dedicated it to peace and not destruction. And that's where we got the Nobel Peace Prize. So Alfred Nobel had the chance to like see how he was going to be remembered and change the course of his life. Great story. I've never heard that one It's before. fascinating, yeah. right? But Alfred Nobel had that chance to do exactly what you said was 
he got to go back and then live each day as he ideally wanted to be remembered. So I think that's great counsel, and I thought just kind of fun to inject yeah, that, right? Yeah, you know, a story, story that not everybody really knows about. Uh, well, let, let, let's then talk about you're still a fairly young guy, uh, I, I think. Yeah, and feel that way. Good, good. What do you see in your generation and in this upcoming generation that um, they're getting it right? Maybe they've got some perspectives that are a little different than the older generation. And then what advice would you give to the younger generation about maybe what they need to focus on or tweak? Two things come to mind. One is, um, and we talked a little bit about basketball before. Uh, You're from Indiana. I'm from North Carolina, both uh, great basketball states. Arthur Ashe had a quote, success is undramatic. What makes a great basketball player is not the ability to hit the hard shots, but the discipline to work for the easy shots. I think first is diligence, not looking for drama and, and glory and just having a spectacular day every day, but just the willingness to go and work hard and be consistent just chip away and every purposeful day. Yeah. And, and just uh, you know grind away at it. And, and, that, and that, I think, really is what makes success and what makes um, – what makes heroes and the other is i think especially for for us as believers uh don't compromise on quality there's often i think too much of a mindset that what faith kind of gives us um gives us an excuse a little bit well i call this spiritualizing sloppiness yeah i like that sloppy i like that yeah 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 yeah. uh you know people don't want to buy a sandwich because it's a christian sandwich that's right. People want to buy a sandwich because it tastes good and it's good quality. And so, um, you know, let faith raise our bar, not lower it. Great advice. And so there's a balance there because you talked about getting up every day. And I call it just, you know, putting your head down and chipping away. Just yeah. go, go chop wood yeah. day by day. And I call these then 40-year overnight success stories, right? Yeah. You wake up 40 yeah. years later and, wow, something great has happened. So you combine that of just being willing to get up and do the small things, be faithful in the small things, but doing them with excellence, yeah. and that's a great recipe. And I think that's great advice. And I also hear you say that one of the things you admire about this next generation of leaders is that they're willing to kind of challenge the status quo i know my my generation you know it was kind of like you know just go out and have a great career path make a lot of money and retire yeah and i think that our younger folks are challenging that status quo and i think that that's a good thing right yeah yeah and, so, and one other thing that comes to mind i'll add you can tell i'm a guy who likes quotes uh lou holtz one of the things lou holtz says is um as a leader yeah. uh father uh politician uh coach uh, business leader, whatever the case may be, as a leader, there's three things that people want to know about you before they're willing to follow you. And it's, can I trust you? Are you committed to excellence? And do you care about me as a person? And if you can say yes to those three things, people will go through the wall for you. And if you can't, then, you know, you're not going to inspire and you're not going to get people really behind you. Uh, and so it's back to what we talked about before, right? Business is about people. And so just focus on uh, the, the people that you impact and how you impact them and, and creating those relationships, uh, I think is really important. That's fan- fantastic. So I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I want to ask you to repeat that again, because you know we know that our listeners sometimes are taking notes and following along. Sure. What were those three components, those three questions that Lou Holtz said were paramount to leadership? Three things people want to know about you as a leader. Can I trust you? Are you committed to excellence? And do you care about me as a person? 
Well, well, you know, great. One of the one of the things we we mentioned practically on every single program here at Bottom Line Faith is that this is like the fir- fastest thirty minutes on the airwaves, yeah. and and it just goes so fast because. Uh, having these kind of conversations, uh, they just flow, and God gives us great insight and great wisdom. I know they go fast for me. I hope they go fast for you, and I, I know they go yeah. fast for our audience. So, um, you know, one of the things that we we want to make sure we do at the end of every interview, and believe it or not, we're, we're at that time frame, is um, we have a one question that we ask every guest to address, and we call it our 423 question. And uh, if you're a longtime listener here at Bottom Line Faith, you know this is how we end every program. And so it's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, um, he gives us all the, the Proverbs and, and, and much of the Ecclesiastes, and he really gives us the foundational principles for living life, for living life. And uh, but but he comes to this, and, and there are many biblical scholars, uh, Gray, that believe this. This is a statement that comes from him at the end of his life, mm-hmm. and kind of the picture is he's gathered his loved ones around, and he's you know kind of given that last season address, and he's saying, "Look, I've given you all these truths, I've given you all these principles. However, there's one thing I want you to remember above everything else, above all else, Proverbs four twenty three, above all else, guard your heart, mm-hmm. for from it." flows the wellspring of life. So as we mentioned, you're still a fairly young guy, but let's just fast forward that clock towards the tail end of your time this side of eternity, and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious to you, and you have a chance to pass along that one piece of advice that you want to be what you're remembered as. Above all else, fill in the blank for me. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a Baptist uh, preacher here, I've, I've got three points. Uh, no, I think we've covered a couple. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. One is start with why, you know, live life with purpose. Uh, two is humility, use that Wall Street Journal rule. Um, but the one we haven't covered is it, we still kind of have it. Business is about people. Uh, one of the things that I try to integrate in any company that I'm leading is leave everyone you touch better off than you found them. And just keep a focus on the people that you're investing in, the relationships that you have, and how you have an impact on everyone, whether it's an employee, a vendor, a customer. If it's somebody that comes in and interviews and you don't even hire them, just have a mindset that I want that interaction to leave that person in some way better off than, than I found them. Um, and I mentioned to you I like solving problems and uh, have a bit of a knack for that and enjoy business. So I've had the opportunity to get involved with a group called the Freedom Business Alliance. Uh, traveled just a few months ago to their global forum uh, conference that they put on in Thailand. And just had a chance to go over there and work with some small businesses that are spread out across Asia. And the Freedom Business Alliance is a business's mission organization that's specifically focused on creating jobs and economic development to combat human trafficking, which, you know, really to me is it's the face of evil in our world today. And so to see what they're doing and some really neat businesses, small entrepreneurial businesses, some larger successful businesses as well, that are just working to create jobs to give women other opportunities to stay out of a human trafficking situation, or in many cases, people that have been there uh, because they didn't have other opportunities or because they were forced, if they're able to leave, and they're often rejected by their families and by culture and community and just don't have a lot of place to go. And so that's business and jobs and economic development 
is a really powerful tool to impact even something like human trafficking. And so the, the FBA, Freedom Business Alliance, what they're doing has been neat to be involved in. And it was just a tremendous, a lot of fun to be able to go over and just work through some of their business problems and help them understand, how do I raise the bar? How can I um, just be, be great at what we do in business, provide value to customers, and create something that can be sustainable? Uh, so a lot of fun and, and a great trip and a great organization. Folks, we have had the incredible privilege on today's episode of Bottom Line Faith of speaking with Gray Shipley, a partner in uh, uh, several businesses, but two that we've talked about today are BTG, Birmingham Technology Group, and Shipley Farms Beef. And so you can uh, check out and learn about Gray on his LinkedIn profile. That's G-R-A-Y Shipley. Gray Shipley, S-H-I-P-L-E-Y, and you can learn about the BTG and Shipley Family Farms, beef, and all those wonderful things that he's involved with. You know, it gives me great encouragement to know that, a, that I, I consider you like a next-generational <laughs> leader. That's a compliment, right? Well, it gives me great encouragement to know that God is raising up leaders like you in business and in leadership, and I just want to tell you thank you for your faithfulness and thanks for your time on the program today. Hey, Ray, thanks for having me. Uh, don't uh, don't quite understand why you'd need me here, but uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to be a part of it. Well, here's the deal. Here's what we say. Somebody today listening to this is going to be encouraged by your story. One of these quotes, one of these principles that, that you lead and live by is going to be the blessing. So we know that God's got that in store. So, Well, thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Well, folks, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. Let me just remind you once again to check out our website at bottomlinefaith.org. Uh, the host ministry here is Truth at Work. Check us out at truthatwork.org, truthatwork.org. If you're a Christ-following uh, business owner, leader, president, CEO. Well, until next time, this is your host, Ray Hilbert at Bottom Line Faith. Go out and live your faith in the marketplace and be an encouragement to all those that God brings into your pathway. This is Ray Hilbert saying so long and God bless. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.